And welcome to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. Our fearless leader, Mark Williams, is not with us today. So manning the ship is yours truly, Mr. John Fulkowski, a.k.a. Filk, a.k.a. Uh, an assortment of other names, which I probably can't repeat on here right now. <laughs> have to get the name played up there, show the props. So I will be captaining things today. And my longtime partner going back to the Off the Post show that we were on our previous network, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. What's going on, Philk? Another another show, Philk. Uh, so Philk Mark is uh, on, on route to Nashville, or if he's already there, hopefully he had a safe trip and hopefully he has a good time there. But uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be running the show for you guys today. We have a lot to talk about, so I'm looking forward to it. And speaking of which, uh, let's get right into everything here. So to start with uh, the week, we will start with the Rangers here. And um, winning two straight in Montreal or and Toronto after going 0-1-1, and which was really not a great start to the season, even though the, the Dallas game looked better, they looked like I don't even know what in Washington, like who did it and ran. And then they come back with a better effort against Dallas, a little bit of a blunder there to end that one. And then Montreal, they find a way to win. And Toronto, uh, (laughs) I wouldn't call that a good win, but they don't ask you how you win. They ask you how many wins you have at the end of the season, Anthony. So that's true. um, That's very true. So I, what were you seeing in Montreal and Toronto? Well, in in Montreal and Toronto, I saw a team carried by the Rangers goaltender. I thought, I thought Igor Shesterkin was, was excellent in those two games. Um, I thought the game against Dallas, he was just kind of okay. I mean, I wouldn't say, um, I wouldn't say he was good. I wasn't, I wouldn't say he was bad kind of like right in that middle ground in between. Um, but in, yeah, in, in Montreal and Toronto was another level, especially the game against Toronto. Um, you know, he really carried the Rangers to, to victory there. So, um, you know, kudos on him. Um, but you know, that, that's what your starting goaltender needs to do every now and then, uh, steal, steal games, obviously, preferably you don't want him to do it two games in a row, but, um, you know, like you said, any way you get two points in this league is, you know, it's two points in the bank regardless. So, um, you know, that that's good on him and, and as far as you referenced the first game against Washington, um, you know, let's face it, the Rangers did just didn't look ready to play. And he had a Capitals team, you know, first game at home, um, you know, they were dialed in. But, yeah, so, I mean, so, you know, 2-1-1, one, and one, I mean, you, you, it's fine. You, you, as a Ranger fan, I don't think you could be disappointed, but I would definitely be encouraged uh, that Shesterkin's play thus far. Yeah, um, that was my take with everything. I, I was looking at the way that they played in the game against Washington, and I just thought they were disheveled. They were running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They were taking too many penalties. They were trying to play a, an extremely physical game at the expense of, di- of team discipline and staying out of the box, which ended up costing them in the end. So they lost that game badly. And then the next night or the next game, they come back against Dallas and they looked good in, I would say, the second and third periods. And honestly, from Jacob Truba, that was probably those two periods were the best two periods of hockey. I think I've seen him play as a Ranger. He was a force in those two periods. And then in overtime, obviously, he 
I, I can't blame him because as someone who plays defense, I saw that two-on-one developing. Tyler, Tyler Sagan was coming in at the end of that picture, if you watch the replay again. Yeah. Truba, Truba saw that, which is good as a defenseman. You're supposed to be able to pick that up. But he misplayed Miro Haskinen horribly, <laughs> and then yeah. the puck went off of his stick trying to stop that shot and over Shesterkin in it. So that was bad. Um, to tell you that the, the game against Montreal, they looked a hell of a lot better even though uh, Truba and Miller as a pairing were not good in that game at all. No. That was probably the worst game I think I've seen them play as a pairing. Uh, I, 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 They played better against Toronto, but again, Toronto, they stole that. There's nothing else to say other than the fact that they stole that game. Because yep. Igor Sesterkin, find that man the best possible steakhouse around and make sure that he doesn't pay for a dime the entire night, whether it's drinks if he wants borscht brought in from Russia in the middle of eating dinner at that steakhouse, you fly that man in some borscht. I don't care because he deserves it after that one. That And, and Valakat, funny enough, was uh, chirping Lundqvist a little bit. Actually, I wouldn't say chirping, but kind of messing with Hank a little bit there. And he turned around and said, this was one of the most epic goaltending performances we ever seen. And then he looked over at Hank and then the two of them started laughing. And then Valakat, you know, obviously made homage to many of Hank's great performances and said that it was kind of like many of his. And it was. That was classic. Oh, here we are for the last 15 years. We had one goaltender who's going into the Hall of Fame that literally carried the team on a nightly basis. And now we have another who's now carrying the team on a nightly basis. So Igor Shosturkin is playing. I know it's early, but he's playing Vezina Calibra goaltender right now and i don't know if there's any way to argue against that so but more on that in a second uh next matter of hand is chris Kreider has three goals in four games he had three in his first three mika zibanejad now has five points and it looks like mika zibanejad is surely earning the money on that extension and proving the rangers right for extending him when they did at the aav that they did so with Kreider, I'm not, you know, I can't really say I'm surprised. You know, he's this is a guy that will will score in bunches and then and then he'll disappear for a while. So um, you know, it's good to see Lee started off hot. Let's you know, let's see if he can keep that going. But his body of work over his career suggests that eventually he's going to be a ghost for a while. Um, hopefully, he can break that trend. Um, throwing in a Justin Lean uh, reference there. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, that's for you, Goldberg, if he's watching. But uh, oh, I hope he is. I really <laughs> do. Hey, Goldberg. Uh, and then Zabenajad, Zabenajad, when you get paid the big dollars, you, you have to you have to produce. Um, you know, and that's going to be his, that's it. The onus is on him now. He got paid. He needs to prove to organiz, organization. I'll say it like I'm Canadian. Organization um, that they made the right that they made the right move in locking him up. Um, so he's been good. Um, I thought I. I Panarin, I know Panarin scored the game winner in Toronto. I thought Panarin's kind of just been ass so far. Um, you know, usually you, you expect a lot more out of him. I thought he's just been, you know, average, not not his typical bread man self. Yes. Um, I thought I thought Lafreniere, he scored the goal at Montreal, but I thought Lafreniere has just kind of been, you know, okay. Not He hasn't really stood out to me in the games that I've seen. Um but I, I would say overall, Zabenajan's been one of their better forwards. 
Um, and on defense, I mean, is there really any secret? Adam Fox is playing at an Adam Fox level. Um, Who else is new? Yeah. Uh, Jacob in, in, uh, in other news, the sky is blue more than 11. <laughs> um, and then another point, Jacob Trouba, like $8 million, you want you want least the offense. And that hasn't been there. But at least be a stalwart defensively if that's the case. And even then, some of the some of the defensive just mishaps he's he's been doing it's it's like so why are you getting paid eight million dollars again if you're not going to produce offensively and you're not going to you know provide exceptional defense I mean boy you you really need to step your game up because uh, you're you're letting the rest of your teammates down yeah I, I mean I'm with you on Jacob Trouba I do I, I'm pretty sure you've probably seen my Twitter but I, after every game I do uh, a Rangers good bad and ugly yeah and every every game at the end of it I, I do the tweet and I, I've mentioned Jacob Truba more than I would like to already I've mentioned Chris Kreider and how he's kind of been invisible more than I'd like to already and I've talked about Igor being exceptional hmm. pretty much how much I would like to but I would like to not have to have him in the exceptional column when I add an exceptional column every game so this team has to step up. Uh, they have to. The offense has been anemic. Uh, yes. We'll talk again a little more about that in a bit. But like I was alluding to before, that's in a caliber right now. How can you? I know it's early, but ha, he has been phenomenal in all three games he's played in. And it's funny because they went from Georgiev on open night, uh, opening night against which Washington. Is a weird, which is a weird. I that was I don't understand what the thought process was there, but I, I listen. I get it's a back to back. It's early, and you don't want to run Igor down. But at the same time, do you really want to start your your worser of your two goaltenders? Someone who who really has kind of been maligned for the last like season or so now against a, a still powerful Washington Capitals team that had Alexander Ovechkin in the lineup. And by the way, he made his presence felt there, kind of still just climbing up, you know, the historical ladder of goals scored, making his case to be the greatest goal scorer ever, as we know it. But Igor Shosturkin, I I think, probably should have started that game, and Alexander Georgiev probably should have went against Dallas if they really didn't want to wear one of the two out early. So, But again, Gallant, adjustment period. I guess he's feeling out the goalies. I just hope that there's no... Uh, carousel or any competition for the number one spot because if this continues for any longer of a period of time there's going to be no way that Gerard Gallant can actually look at these two and say that Alexander Georgiev should be battling for that number one spot no no way I mean, you remember how it was last year. They, they were Quinn was trying to say there was a competition between the two of them, yeah. and never let either one of them get into a rhythm, as Mark has pointed out many times no. in the past. <laughs> so, I mean, Igor Sesterkin's really kind of been stepping up, and he's another one. He he got an extension, he got a new deal, and now he's really making the best of it. Again, early, but I mean, this is what you want to see every. Every fan's biggest nightmare when a player gets a new contract is that 
they start off bad or have an extended slump afterwards because yeah. then you start questioning whether that player should have gotten that deal. And Igor is leaving little to no doubt, if any doubt at all, that he should have gotten what he got. He might even he might even be end up getting underpaid at by sometime at the course of this deal because he's just playing so well. He is, like you said, it, you know, it's yes, it's it's three games, so it's it's obviously very very early, but over this three game stretch, specifically the last two games, he has played at a a Vesna caliber level. Um, obviously, sample size. Now let's just see him keep you know playing to that level as as the games go on. Um, but you know, you can't really say anything else that other than he he was you know really really good the last two games. So good on him, and hopefully for the Rangers' sake. He keeps playing that way with the caveat. You don't you don't want to have to have your goaltender play at this level uh, to win. So the Rangers offense is going to need to step up in you know the next couple of seasons as the season ramps up. Totally agree on that last part. Uh, and that's a good segue in here or into our next part. What's gone right and what's gone wrong with this team? Well, I mean, from, from my perspective, what's gone right is – you know, Zabennett, your your best players, maybe with your your best players are being your best players, uh, maybe with the exception of of Panarin, but Zabennett's playing well. Um, obviously, Adam Fox is playing well. Igor's playing well, so that's all good. Um, I mean, what what's gone wrong? I guess you can maybe say the 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 you know the offense um, and you know the play of of Jacob Truba, um, Keandre Miller. I would say, you know, that that's gone wrong. They need to be better because you can't because we all know, you know, Nemeth and Tenorti aren't very good. So that means and Lundquist is still a kid, you know, still feeling it out. So that means you're relying on Lindgren and Fox um, and you can't rely on one pair to have success in the National Hockey League. So Truba and Miller um, are going to have to, you know, get their get their act together. And no, there's there's no two ways about it. I'm pretty much on board with everything you said here. Um, in terms of what's gone right for me, Igor is the biggest part. I mean, he's just, like I said, we he's been phenomenal. Mika has really earned his contract so far, and he had a monster game against Montreal. Uh, he had the assist on the Lafreniere goal, uh, had a goal of his own. And you know what? Mika's been getting points. He's been getting points. Um Panarin, I have to put him under like the meh category right now because yeah. he found a way to get that overtime winner against Toronto, and he needed that more than anything. Something looks off. I can't put a finger on it, but something really looks off. And I will say to his credit, though, that Filipino doesn't look like he's really a fit at center and not having Capo Caco and having another competent top six player on his line kind of drags him down. But the fact that he's got what uh, I think three points or four points in four games, something like that, despite what's been going on with this team, I, I got to give Panarin credit there. Obviously Adam Fox is Adam Fox. I don't need to say anything more there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> there's really nothing else left to say. I, he just, I, I made the comparison. He's like using Bo Jackson in tech mobile. Like he's a cheat. Yeah. 
<laughs> or 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 Michael Vick in Madden 2004, where he was just he could just run around the field and then throw <laughs> the ball as far as possible. So that that's Adam Fox for me. Uh, I would say Alexander Georgiev. I know it's one start, but he did not look good. Oh, he wasn't very good. No, Jacob Truba and Keandre Miller. We've talked about them. They they worst game uh, I think as a pairing against Montreal. The biggest concern I have is that Keandre Miller has not looked good since the first half of last season. Yeah. And if he doesn't turn that around, you might have to send him to Hartford and have Zach Jones come up because he really hasn't looked good for a long time. This is not just an overreaction yeah. to three or four games. It's not an overreaction to preseason play. This has been going on for a long time. Yeah. And and if anything, he reminds me of Kreider in the way that relies a lot on physical tools, doesn't have the hockey sense in the top end skill. So if the the decision making is off, he needs to go and relearn that against lesser competition so that he can build his confidence up and then come back up and really be effective. But um we're gonna move on here. And this is part of what's gone wrong as well, because it's not sustainable. The Rangers have lost 65% of faceoffs, over 65% of faceoffs in the last two games. Okay. Now, I know that people are going to say things like, well, faceoffs aren't that important. No, they are, especially when you're losing offensive zone draws, not only at even strength, but on the power play. Because the Rangers, and I've gone back and I've actually rewatched the games. They're losing about an average of 30 to 40 seconds per power play just by losing offensive zone draws. And if you're going to have a minute and a half and a minute or, or a minute of 20 seconds of power play time, as opposed to a minute and 40 to two minutes, you're giving yourself less chances to score. And that's part of why this offense has been anemic because – they're lacking possession. Possession equals chances for. Chances for can equal goals. Goals equals wins. So, uh, yeah, and faceoffs are important. It's a very un- I think it's a very underrated stat in this game. And um, if you don't have center icemen that are going to win draws for you, you're going to be playing. You're going to be chasing the puck more often than not. So, um, you know, you, you need you need those those guys who really dig in there and have many different ways of being able to win a draw, you know, back forward, tie a guy up, you know, you, you really need to know what you're doing and measure up your opponent when you're going in the circle. Um, and the Rangers centermen need to be better. And listen, it's, it's no secret that, you know, one of the Rangers areas where they lack is, you know, at the position of center ice. Um, so they could use more depth there. Um, and overall, you know, when you, when you lack at center ice, chances are your faceoffs are going to suffer. So, um, they just need, listen, it's early in the season. I'm sure it's something that they'll focus on in practices, but yeah, they, they definitely have to be better because um, I don't think, you know, that rate of amount of losing faceoffs is, is a, is a recipe for success <laughs> at all. I mean, it's just, it's just not. So they need to find a way to be better. Yeah. And it, it, you know what? And, and center ice play wins in the NHL. We've talked yeah. about that. We we've referenced the Kings and their one, two punch. We've re- referenced Pittsburgh, their one, two punch. Uh, I mean, we've got, we could go through a number of teams that had really good one, two punches down the middle that have won. I mean, Boston as well with Krejci and Bergeron and even Savard there for a bit, 
before they won the cup. But again, yeah. you need better center play. Um, hopefully Philip Hedel can start playing better because if Breadman gets going, that can help Hedel. If Hedel looks like he's, you know, going to be the one that, uh, that can step up at some point that helps the Rangers out going forward. If not, then you might be looking at a deadline deal. So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, before we move forward to the Islanders, I just wanted to say that um, this is my first time really kind of manning the ship here. You guys are probably already aware of that. I see all your comments. I see everything that's coming through. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm not as responsive this week. I've got a little more responsibility uh, uh, than I usually do. So I just wanted to say I'm not blowing any of you guys off. We will definitely have a ton of Q&A time. We will try to get through everything as soon as possible. I know um, that there's other things to talk about. There's actually one more thing we have to talk about about the Rangers before we move on. Um, I will get to that in a second. I'm pretty sure you guys already know what it is because there's uh, – there's definitely some discourse about it in the last uh, few days or so. But uh, yes, and thank you for the donations from yeah, Brody and Steven. So we really do appreciate it. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I, I don't care if it's beer money. I don't care if it's you <laughs> box. I, we, we are just happy to be doing this, and you guys are supporting us the way you guys are all supporting us, even if it's not donations. You guys are just here watching the numbers are going up. The subscriber counts are going. All of you guys that are in here right now have been with us from day one. And we can't tell you how much we really do appreciate that. So the train's going forward. Everything's going up to the top. Please stick with us. We're going to have a lot of good content coming to you guys in the future. Thank you so very, very much. Thanks, guys. And, yeah. And uh, one more thing that we're going to get to before we go on. And I, I'm sorry, I didn't really have a banner made for this yet. So I'm just going to get rid of the banner that we have up for now. And that is the Vitaly Kravtsov saga. And yeah. So Arthur Staple, our good friend or a very, very good friend of Anthony's as well, has taken over Rick Carpiniello's, um, status at the uh, athletic as the head uh, head beat writer for the Rangers. So in addition to doing his Islanders work, he's double dipping for both New York teams. And <laughs> my run request, post your good Ben. Ooh, okay. Uh, you know what? I, I, Sean, I could totally get with that. Actually I, I will. So um, uh, let, I will do that. Um, I do not agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't either. I mean, listen, this, this is a guy that feels like he was jerked around. Um, and I, I, I get why people will, will be upset that he didn't just be a good soldier and report to Hartford. Um, you know, but I said it before, you know, this is the, this is the risk you face with Russians. Sometimes they'd rather go home rather than play in the AHL. Um, it's just, it's just the, the, really the facts of it. Um, and also, like I said, you know, he feels he feels like he uh, he had a spot in the team. Um, and if you read Arthur Staples uh, piece in The Athletic about the situation, um, it just stems. It just there's so much more that stems to it. So I, I don't blame Kako, uh, Kako, sorry, Kako Kraftsoff for for you know handling it the way he did. 
And this is a point that I keep seeing, and I'm going to debunk this right now. So the last time around, if you guys remember, this happened, what, two seasons ago? So the last time around, he didn't make the team, and the organization went with players that didn't belong at the NHL level in favor of him. So you played Brendan Smith at forward, yet Michael Haley up, yet Greg McKegg, and you also had uh, Brett Howden and Phil DiGiuseppe. So you had five guys playing in your bottom six that really didn't need to be there. That were that ended up in one way or another being detriments at the team. And yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. I don't want to hear this stuff. I really don't. Listen, I wanted Wallstrom. I, I, I Anthony and I were there. Uh, if you could find the foot, if you could find the audio from me, I, I was literally broadcasting live while Anthony and others were trying to get interviews for us. But I wanted Wallstrom. I, I'm not going to lie. I thought Wallstrom would have been the, I would it would have been the, uh, the the pick there. They needed a goal scorer. I thought it fit. And th- this point is is BS because they're doing it again. They're playing guys like Dryden Hunt, Julian Gauthier over him at forward. And not only that, but is Barkley Goodrow really good enough offensively to be a third liner? Because he hasn't really shown me anything that like that so far. I mean, have, have you seen anything from Barkley Goodrow that would justify him having a third line spot over Vitaly Kravtsov, Anthony? No, um, not at all. Um, I guess they he, he's trying to build more of a a typical prototypical checking line as your third line, but um, Goudreau is is not nearly doesn't nearly have the offensive ability that, you know, Vitaly Kravtsov has. Um, but, you know, again, you, you can, you can analyze it to death, but really when you get down to the nitty gritty of it is the Rangers just pissed off and alienated, uh, you know, a top 10 pick again. And now they're going to trade them. It, simple as that. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's acid, it's bad. It's just bad assets, asset management. Now that's, that's what, that's what it comes down to. So um, now they just have to try to, you know, just get the best return they can. I don't know how good that return is going to be, but um, you know, I, I don't, I don't see the reason why people placing some of this on most of this on Vitaly Krasov. I, 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 you know, I just don't. I will say that it, it, Vitaly Krasov is definitely not free of blame. He should have. He should have. He should have taken the assignment. I, I listen. I, I my mentality. What I would have been. What I would have done is I would have went down there and I would have played my ass off to the point where I'd go full John Cena on them. I'm untouchable, but I'm forcing you to feel me. Word life, basic thugonomics. Yes, I dropped another wrestling reference. Deal with it. But that's what I would have done if I was Vitaly Krasov. I would have went down there and I would have just absolutely forced them. I would have forced the issue. I would have put it on them to say, hey, you got to call me up because you need me and I'm producing like crazy down here. I, I, I really honestly, to I think they've mishandled it. I think Krasov is to blame for part of it. 
but too. if you read the if you read the piece in athletic you yeah. see that there's issues between them so I, I don't see how you can blame Vitalik Krasov at all and no you you can't see me buddy you can't because I'm John Cena and that's what Vitalik Krasov would have done or should have done I should say I, that's what I would have done but the problem is is that Chris Drury has gone and made this a personal thing like how Kevin Adams made the Jack Eichel saga a personal thing. And what happens when you make business personal like that? Things get screwed up. You're as a professional sports team executive, you're supposed to be able to put your emotions and feelings aside and you're supposed to be able to conduct business and handle different types of personalities to the point where you optimize functionality for the business, for the organization. And this front office in two different regimes so far, or maybe not two different regimes, but one person has been involved in both instances, actually in all three. Actually, he's been involved in three of the big five instances, and that's Chris Jury. And Chris Drury is not off to a good start with this organization. So I don't I don't understand how you can't say that the team is to take more of the blame than the player at this point. Because although I, I again the player is definitely part of the problem, but look at the New York Giants and how they dealt with Odell Beckham Jr. And the way that they handled him for, what, four or five years before they traded him? I, I mean, you you got to – when you have talents like that, I'm not saying necessarily saying coddle them. But work with them. Talk to them. And you can't shoot people out in front of an entire team in practice, especially if it's a non-playoff roster player. Like, you can't do that. You can't. It's wrong. It, it, it's It's unprofessional. It's not right. You want to talk about Kravtsov being unprofessional? Fine. Got no problem with that. But Drury, that's even worse. You can't do that. And the old saying is, you want respect, you got to give it. And, you know, but, but before we move on, I, I have an interesting um, – when you talked about what you can move him for, uh, the, the Senators have been looking to looking to move Eric Brandstrom. You know, he, he was the – he was the centerpiece of the Mark of the Mark Stone trade, um, high you know high high draft pick, and Brandstrom. I don't know why, why they're looking to move him, but you know the guy's got the guy last year had 13 points in 30 games as a you know as a defenseman on a bad Senators team. I think that's pretty good. So you know, and he's a left side defense. Maybe there's a trade to be made where Krasov goes to Ottawa for Eric Brandstrom and, and Brandstrom can take one of the bottom pairing left spot defense on the Rangers. Uh, it's 22 years old, still has a lot of upside. So uh, that's I, – I personally don't know why Ottawa's ready looking to move him already, but, I mean, that that's the type of move that maybe the Rangers could take a chance on. And our, uh, our friend Greg Elst. And, you know, just basically calling me a short bus driver. No big deal. But um, I've seen the, the word about Brandstrom. Do the Rangers really need another defenseman at this point? That That's the problem. I mean, I, Hayton would make more sense for me. 
because it's two players from the same exact draft class. Two players both in disgruntled situations that need changes of scenery. Two players that were top 10 draft picks. But I I don't even know if Hayton's really the answer. I, I, I get it. They need center help. And Hayton was a reach as well. There are a lot of people like when I, I remember you and I both talking about how what was Arizona thinking taking him at five, and then he ends up being a world junior hero in 2020, you know, on, on the team with Lafreniere that won the gold. But I, I, I really don't know if I'm confident in him. I, there's something's going to come to a head, and Kip, Kiprios and, and Friedman and, and Dreger they're reporting that there's interest in multiple teams. Yeah, and Rangers aren't going to make make a deal for nothing for no reason. So, yep. so yeah, um, we're going to move on though to the Islanders, and we're going to talk about what's been going on with them. So, the Islanders get their first win in Chicago after losing the first two against Florida and Carolina, who are two pretty good teams that could probably win their divisions. And I've watched a couple of the games. I didn't get to see all of them. I've been trying to watch a lot of different games. But, Anthony, tell us what you're seeing. Well, the first game uh, – so, first I'll start with one and two start. Um, Color me, not concerned in the slightest. Um, It's early in the season. uh, And, actually, there was a stat thrown out that since Trotz took over, the Islanders' starts have been – Three and four, one and three, two and three. Um, so since Trotz came aboard, they always start a little slow. So uh, it's weird, but I'm not concerned. And there's Carolina. Carolina has been mentioned as one of the teams aside from the Islanders that can win the Metro. They're a really good team. And the Hurricanes are just one of those teams that have the Islanders number. In hockey, you get that a lot where certain teams just have something over another. Um, can't really figure out why, but Carolina has been that way since they swept the Islanders back in 2019. Um, they always give the Islanders fits. It was their home opener. You know, they got two goals off of deflection, another goal where Sorokin made the save and Nita Ryder, you know, crashed into him and the puck went in, the goal still stood. So it was, it was, it wasn't, it was a bad game, but you know, they just got outplayed by a Carolina team, which I was expecting going into it. The Florida game, I did not see. I was out with my wife out to dinner. Um, but from all accounts, Barry Trotz just said the Islanders didn't have it that game. Um, they didn't have their legs. They were a little, they were a little disjointed. Um, and they just, I think through two shots, through, through two periods, only had thir- they only allowed 13 shots on goal. Um, so he said Sorokin couldn't really get into the rhythm of the game. And then in the third period, the Panthers, the Panthers just went off. Um, that one was kind of burn the tape and throw it away. And then last night in Chicago, the first period was, was pretty ugly. Ilya Sorokin made 18 saves in the first period. And if it wasn't if it wasn't for his efforts in the first period, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the Islanders are 0-3. But, you know, he really settled them down. Um, at the end of the second period, he made a stop on DeBrinket, shorthanded breakaway that kept the game at one going into the third. And Trotz said that gave that gave the Islanders legs and a lot of confidence going into the third period. And then in the third period, the Islanders played Islander hockey and they took the game away uh, with, you know, with three goals. Um, so, you know, first three games, you know, definitely not Islander hockey. Um, but I think slowly but surely you're going to start to see the team really get back to the level they're playing that they're capable of. 
Um, really impressed with Oliver Wallstrom. I know we talked about him before, uh, but he's got three goals in three games. Um, he was shooting the puck from all over the ice last night. Uh, and this is the guy that we said for the Islanders can have a big season. He, he has the shot to do it. Um, and he's playing with Parise and Pajot, who, which Trot said that's really been their best line so far this season. Um, they're really hard to play against, and they all contribute offensively. So my one area of concern for the Islanders is, and I know we'll get to it in, in bar talk, but Zdeno Chara just looks looks his age. He looks 44 years old. Um, you know, he, and he uh, doesn't look like a, a Yarmir Yager 44. No, years. no, he, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing, the thing about him is he's still a force in front of the net. You know, he's big, so he can still move people out along the walls and his reach. So his penalty kill, but it's his foot speed. So in, in five on five situations, um, you know, players just beating him wide to the right. Um, and it, it's clear to see, and, that's why I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him yet. You know, it's three games into the season. I'm going to give him some time. But um, at right now, uh, I haven't really been impressed with the way he looks. And then on the other side, Andy Green, you know, he, he's been a good acquisition since the Islanders acquired him, a good bottom pair defenseman. Um, but, you know, he, he, looks, he looks another year older as well. Um, and so that, that's, that's the issue. I mean, the Islanders – have have two, as we mentioned before, one of the best pairings, if not the best shutdown defense pair in the league in Pelic and Pulak. And last night, Trotz broke them up because the, the current pairings as it stands with, with Green and, and Char in the minutes, I guess he wanted to try something new. And he and he was he was breaking them up and trying out different situations. So um, you know, eventually oh <laughs> eventually I would um I would like to see I would like to see Sebastian Ajo get a shot. You know, he, he's fast and he can move the puck in place of Andy Green. I think right now they could use a guy like that to help skate the puck out of the zone when they're in harm. But um, that that's really the only that's really the only worry I have. Um, again, you know, the one and two start it's three games. I'm not I'm not concerned about it. Um, you know, they they played more like themselves in the third period last night, uh, and I think as the season moves on here, which they've done in previous years where they started slow. Uh, they'll get on a run. So, you're not concerned about the record, but are you concerned about the defense overall as a whole? Yeah, like I just said, I'm. I'm not. I, I have my concerns about the about the sustainability of Char and Green over 82 games. Um, I, I think they need because Pelic, Pollock, Mayfield, and, and Noah Dobson is going to be a very good defenseman too. It's just it's those two guys and. When you when you essentially have two guys that you know you kind of have to shelter and can't really you know have to really watch their minutes that that can hurt you. So uh, and the problem is it's it's so early in the season that uh, it's it's really hard to find a trade like this early to get to get another defenseman. So that's why I think uh, giving giving some minutes Sebastian Aho for Green. You know, listen, they're older guys. Giving them rest, you know, every couple games, I think can be, I think could be a good thing. So, um, getting Aho in the lineup, um, I think Robin Sala was fantastic in the preseason. I, I think, you know, as definitely next year, I think he'll be a regular, and maybe even this year at some point, he's going to get a shot. You know, he could skate and really move the puck. So, those are the type of guys that I think the Islanders need to put in the lineup. Um, but as a whole, I think Trotz's system can protect Char and Green a little bit um, because. They're not t- like what you saw in Florida and Carolina. 
they're not a team that gives up five, six goals and gives up all these chances. Um, you know, that's that's something that doesn't happen. So I think as they, you know, get into the sink of things, that will mask some of their their woes with the bottom pair with Shower and, and Green. But um well, I, 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 and to answer Els's Els's question here, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Rob Robin Salo, um, rookie, just came over from the Swedish Elite League, looked really good in the preseason. Um, it's just Barry Trotz likes to bring his youngsters along slowly, so he's a guy that can get a look. Uh, and then Sebastian Ajo, who they're carrying right now as a seventh defenseman, is um, you know is young and he's got a lot of legs, so he might get a shot here, uh, you know, coming up shortly. But um, th- that yeah, that that's clearly the one concern. But I think they're as you saw in the third period against Chicago, uh, they started playing more similar Islander hockey. Um, and again, you know, they're one and two. The Colorado Avalanche are are one and two. Um, I don't think anybody's panicking Colorado. Um, so three games, it no, nah, it, it it's it's insignificant, especially with I said how they started the previous three seasons under Trots, where they struggled out of the gate. Um, they're a team that seems like they they really hit the ground running. Um, you know, a couple weeks into the season, and they're forced, and then again at the end of the season, where they're just kind of you know waiting for the playoffs to start. But um, they'll be okay, uh, and I think eventually. Tr- Big Lou will address the defense uh, by making a trade sometime, you know, later in ish in the middle of the season. But um, I think. Yeah. That- and, and, and that actually brings me to two different comments. Um, I believe they were both from AZ. Yes, they were. I would go big for Lindholm or actually that's at center. That was not the Lindholm I was thinking of. Actually, like campus and Anaheim, and honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna be totally honest with you. Anaheim played well, even though they lost to Edmonton. Connor McDavid just the Connor McDavid show commences once again, and Connor McDavid is just showing why he's probably going to be a top five player of all time when it's all said and done. But Hampus Lindholm may not be on the move from from Anaheim. Yeah, if they keep playing the way they're playing, yeah. Yeah, if they keep playing the way that they're playing, they're going to compete. And management might think that they're closer to competing than originally expected. And they would probably want to keep someone like Hampus Lindholm because number one defenders like him are hard to find. Even though he's not the top end of number one defenders, he's still a solid two-way guy that can eat minutes and shut uh, shut down forwards. So I, I'm not sure if Anaheim moves him, but if Anaheim is looking to shed salary, uh, the second guy that you highlighted before, Josh Manson, that's someone who I think could really be a fit for the Islanders, especially after Matias Ekholm was taken off the market. Yeah, and you know, I think it was Elliot Friedman that said he thinks that Anaheim has a chance here to be a real player in the trade market. And he mentioned Lindholm, Manson, and John Gibson. But as of right now, Arizona's playing well. So I don't know if it's a lock that they would trade any of those guys and maybe Hampus Lindholm's an unrestricted free agent. So maybe, maybe he gets traded regardless if, you know, I feel he wants to test the waters, but um, yeah, no, he, he would, he would fit the Islanders like a glove. There, there's, there's no doubt about that um, for sure. And, you know, Arthur Staple had mentioned as a, him as a possible target this past summer. Um, but I, I, you know, obviously nothing came of it, but yeah, no, he, he's, de- he's a guy that could definitely be on the Islanders radar. This is funny. I, I, I don't, I don't think the yeah. Rangers and Islanders are going to make a significant trade here. Um, the last one was what Yuri Niemi for yeah. um, 
I forget the other guy. In the yeah, I forget the other guy in the deal, but I know Yuri Niemi was the, the – I believe he was the one who came from the Islanders to the Rangers in that deal. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to see that. There's been, like, two trades since 1972 between the teams. I don't think that's happening anymore. No, I, I don't I don't think I don't think it's happening anymore. I, it would, it would, I mean, it would – listen, I guess nothing's impossible, but it would it would really shock me if something like that occurred. But, um, you know – they got they got Columbus next on Thursday, um, you know, and they're in the midst of this 13 game road trip. But um, the Islanders are going to be fine, you know. The Colorado Avalanche will be fine. Um, it's just it's just sometimes sometimes good teams struggle out of the gate. It just it's just the way it is. I mean, look, guys, the Buffalo Sabers are three and zero. That's just all. This is going to tell you <laughs> how much stock you could put into a team's record three games into the season. It, it literally. Um, you know, it literally means nothing. I mean, listen, if you're talking 10 and 0, 1 and 10, 11 games in, and you know, those are some of the records, then yeah, that, that's a discussion. But, um, this early, you know, not, not so much, but, um, we'll see going forward here. I know Varlamov is set to come back this weekend with the back to back between Arizona and Vegas. Um, you know, so, so that will help. But, uh, you know, Ely Sorokin was the Sorokin that we all, you know, Islander fans all love and know. Um, last night he, he was outstanding 39 saves and, um, you know, he lost the shutout with 26 seconds left and Barry Trotz, uh, and his post game said, uh, one of the reasons why he challenged that goal, um, was because he, he thought Sorokin deserved the shutout. And, uh, you know, I guess he just wanted to at least try one last dish effort to preserve it. But, um, you know, the Islanders had a little bit of a lapse there very late, but, um, he definitely deserves a shout out. And I thought he was fantastic last night. So uh, it, it, it seems like uh, when Igor Shesterkin comes across, I- Ilya Sorokin comes across. Then, yeah. you know, they, they, they've been <laughs> at a constant parallel with each other in comparison for years now, going yeah. back to prospect days, overseas in the KHL. And then this season to start off, Igor starts off like a bat out of hell. And now Ilya Sorokin turns in one of the best performances of his young career and says, anything you can do, I can do just as good, if not better. Yeah, the parallels between them is going to be interesting this season. You know, uh, I think he's going to play more over the t- over the course of an A2 game season than he did last year. He's going to share more time with Varlamov. Um, you know, and, and if he plays the way he did last night and how he did in the playoffs against Pittsburgh, he will take away starts from Varlamov and – you know, I'm, I'm sure if he puts in another strong effort against Columbus on Thursday, even though Verlamov's coming back this weekend, um, you know, he, he probably um, will probably earn some more, or, you know, earn some more playing time. But, um, you know, it's, I can't wait for the first Ranger Islander collision in, uh, I think, November, right? Yeah, I believe it. I believe it's like November 21st or something like that, or I, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I know the first ever game between the two teams is at Belmont on Thanksgiving Eve. Um, not yeah. sure if they play at the garden before that or not, but um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure either. Uh, I, I mean, I, it's a fair point. I'm not going to downplay the Islanders. You got to beat those teams and you got to beat them the way that the Islanders beat them. I know the first two periods were kind of ugly, but the Islanders came back and won that game in the third, really, really locked that game down in the third. So um, I, I'll, I'll give the Islanders credit there. If they would have beaten them one to nothing and they would have barely held on by the skin of their teeth, this conversation's probably a little different. <laughs> I need to talk to you. <laughs> 
you know, you know what? I was um I've actually been pleasantly surprised for uh, before we kind of move on to bar talk, but um we talked about Chara looking slow. Zach Parise, he, he's he's had a lot of he's he's shown a lot of wheels so far. He's he's moved uh, with a lot more speed than I thought, and he's and he's been like kind of ferocious on the forecheck, and he's clicked well on that line with with Parise and Pajot. So um I've been. I've been, I've been, I've been liking Zach Parise's game, you know, because he's another older guy. So you, you wonder after what he, you know, how he was in Minnesota last year, what he's got, and I, I was impressed with his game overall. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look bad. Um, he's definitely not going to give you the offense no. that he, you know he he gave you in his, his peak years or any or anything close to it for that matter. But I mean, if he could be a high energy guy and and really just kind of disrupt on the forecheck. And give you, I guess, like 15 or so goals, maybe 30 or so points. You you, you take that contract and you look at that as a bargain. And, and you take that and run. But, uh, I mean, you know he's not going to be a bad defensive player. He's never been a bad defensive player. You know he's a guy that's going to throw his body around. He, I mean, that's part of the reason why he's deteriorated to the way that he has over the last, I would say, I don't know, five years or so yeah. is because he's a smaller guy that has never been shy about throwing his body around. But I mean, he doesn't look bad so far. Um, they, they do need, I still think that they do need another top notch sniper or they need Oliver Wallstrom to break out and become that. And if Oliver Wallstrom breaks out and becomes that, not only do you get yours, but you don't have to spend a lot of cap or assets to do so. Which, and just like how we talked about with with Tristerkin playing at Vesna level while it's still early, you know, Wallstrom shows he he might be doing that. Three goals in three games, and you know, with how he performed last year, I I, I think a lot of Islanders big expectations of him this year. I, I think I think he could be really one of their better goal scorers on the roster this year. He's, he's a, good score. a little off topic, but I want to answer. I want to talk about this one just because um, I don't want to jump into bar talk right away. Are we starting to see the beginning of the downfall of Seth Jones? You know what? I I didn't really I didn't really care about it because at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's a formality. But I, I thought, you know, every Olympic team announced their three provisional players, like the three players that were named to the team right away. For Team USA, it was, you know, Patrick Kane, Austin Matthews, and Seth Jones. Why? Why is he a provisional player like for Team USA? I get he's going to probably be on the team, and yeah, Els is absolutely right. Wallstrom, the way the way he shoots the puck, um, he's he's got a really really good shot, and he she he's shown it over the short of his short career how he can beat goalies clean with his release. So um, this right here but, says it all, though. Yeah, how but, do you do that? Well, yeah, back to that. Why is he a provisional player? I mean, like I said, he's going to be on the team, sure, but why is he one of the the three provisional players? I mean, Here, I, I he, here's what I don't get: Seth Jones had a tremendous 2017-18 season. He possibly could have won the Norris that year. He was that good. But ever since then, not only do the analytics tell you that he's been bad, but the eye test tells you he's been bad since. And he's playing on, he was playing for the majority, uh, the vast majority of that time. Sorry, with Zach Wierenski, who the eye test shows is an analytics darling, or, the, or is, is an analytics darling, and the eye test shows you that he's great as well. 
So why is it that Seth Jones, with one of the better defensemen in the entire NHL, can play so bad on the same pairing when they practically played almost every second of their time together? It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I could tell you, isn't Stan Bowman the general manager of Team USA? And there you go. Yes. It's like nepotism. It, yeah. It's like it's basically like nepotism. The family takes care of the family. And, and like I get regardless of, of who the GM was, Patrick Kane should have been one of the three provisional players. Of course. Well, I'm not gonna say that was, you know, because he plays for Chicago, but you have to think that Seth Jones playing for Chicago is the reason why he's one of the three provisional players. I mean, of course, because who, who in their right mind is going to doubt the selection of Patrick Kane right off the bat? He's yeah. still arguably the best American-born player alive. Yeah, yeah, no, he is. He so, is. I mean, when it when it comes down at the end, down to it, at the end of the day, Patrick Kane's probably going to finish with 1,500 points, and he's going to yeah. be regarded as arguably the best American-born player ever. Yeah. So uh, I have no problem with that. And, and he still has a ton left in the tank and he will be an effective NHL player for a very, very long time. Yeah. So I have no problem with that. But speaking of which we're going to move on to bar talk. We've got some interesting topics here for you today. So let's get into that. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. All right. So welcome back to all thing. Or I'm sorry. Big Apple Hockey. I almost said it. Ha, 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 ha. Didn't, though. So, yeah. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey. We are going to do Bar Talk. You know what time it is. So this is where we gauge our confidence on various NHL topics by our choice of drinks. You're not confident in something? Take a shot. You want JMO? We got JMO for you. You want a beer? Stella, Michelob, Corona, Bud, Bud Light, whatever. We got beers for you. And if you're feeling happy, you want to. You're feeling generous. You love it. You're confident in it. You think it's going to happen for sure. Bye, everybody around. So let's start off. Adam Fox's next contract will be a bargains compare or a bargain rather compared to Charlie McAvoy's. Well, I, I Charlie McAvoy got what nine and a half million? Nine um, and a half million per year. Um mm -hmm. and I and I said he didn't really have the, in my opinion, he didn't really have the offensive numbers to garner that contract, but um, you know, it's Cal McCarr got McAvoy. Uh, you saw what Rensky got, um, Darnell Nurse. Adam Fox is at least going to get nine million. Um, I don't think there's really any question about that. So, and I, I think based on his better offensive ability than Charlie McAvoy, um, I, I think, yeah, that absolutely would be a bargain. So, um, I'm going to go around there. Um, I'd be surprised if, if Fox didn't get at least nine, maybe, maybe if you wanted to take a home team, a hometown discount to try to keep as much of the team together as possible. Um, maybe, but I don't know. I don't see any reason why he should leave any money on the table. You know, he's the reigning Norris trophy winner. Um, and he knows how important he is to the Rangers. There's no question about that. 
I think he'll definitely use that. And as comparables, like I said, McAvoy, McCarr, um, I don't see any reason why he doesn't get, you know, at least nine million. So um, this one's easy for me, and I'm, you know, I'm going rounds. It's not take away take anything away from Charlie McAvoy. I think I think he's really good, but um, as Mark said, I, I think it was a little too high. Uh, I'm in the belief of if you're a defenseman and you're making eight, nine, you know, nine and a half or more million dollar a year, you should you should at least be putting up fifty points at least. In my opinion, you can't be a 35-point defenseman um, making, you know, $9 million. I mean, that's just that's just ludicrous to me. So, um, But Fox should get $9 million easily, and I think he's the better defenseman uh, of the two, especially offensively, so um, round. Here's the caveat with that, and I'll play devil's advocate. To be fair, Charlie McAvoy was on pace for almost 50 points last year. And... Charlie McAvoy is not somebody who's going to get you a ton of goals. Um, I'm, I don't think he's ever had a double-digit goal-scoring season. Uh, he's a good puck mover, but he's not an elite one. Uh, he's a great skater, but again, not and not like an elite one to the point where he's skating around people like a Kale McCarr or someone like that. But Charlie is an incredible shutdown defender he's a easily a top five shutdown defender in the league i mean you think of the guys that you you could probably consider better right off the top of your head i would say you're looking at slavin and pelic and everybody else is probably debatable and then so i i i will say that charlie definitely deserved an upwards of eight um i i think that they definitely overpaid him a bit but I am going to buy a round on this as well because if Adam Fox gets $9 million, and that's what the, the, the tweet was that came out yesterday and it said that Adam Fox is looking – the discussions for him are looking to start at $9 million. If you get him at $9 million or less, that's a bargain. That's a bargain at this point because he – I know it's early in this season, but – He's literally shown no signs of slowing down whatsoever. None. He continues to play great in every game. He put on an absolute clinic against Dallas and was making them look like they weren't even on the ice with him. They were just cones, obstacles. And he was just pivoting around them, skating through them, making making it look like they weren't there. So I, I'm, I, I've got to say that I'm buying around on this one because – I think if you, uh, I know how that Elsie, goes. Take like, care, Elsie. I know how that goes. I'll see you. <laughs> I'll see you later. Thanks again, Elsie. We appreciate you uh, viewing us, buddy. Um, but I, again, if Adam Fox takes nine million or less, he's and, and Az said it. He's he's worth every penny. But Brody reaffirming it. Just honestly, he's. And yeah, and, and that's what I was talking about before, Brody. It's it's not even a Twitter rumor. That that's that was, I believe, Dreger or Friedman that that reported that quote. I, I'd have to take a look, but I, I know it's from one of the big guys, one of the one of the big reliable guys. So we're going to move on to our next topic, though. And we were talking about it before. Sidney Chara has nothing left in the tank. Anthony, 
I, I, like I said, I wanna, I wanna go round, but as I state, as I said before, I'm, I'm gonna go beer only because I, I did watch him on the penalty kill. You know his reach; he's still good at, at you know, keeping guys to the outside, nice. at least on the panel on the penalty kill when he's already stationary in his own end. Um, he's good at moving guys out from in front of the net. You know his his battle level, you know, along the on the, along the wall and the boards is still pretty good. Um, so it's it's just when you know in transition five on five, if he's skating backwards and there's another guy coming down the wing, um, some guys have beaten him wide because um, of his foot speed. But he he does bring those other he still brings some value to the other areas like I just stated. So I'm going beer, but it's it's a fine line for a round. Um, and I think you know he 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 still could be useful as I mentioned for those reasons. But he's got to get like nights off. Um, I don't think at his age he should play every night. Um, you know it was a good you know it was a good story when he first signed with the Islanders. It was cool start. He's starting where uh, he's ending where he started. Um, but you know, I'm glad he's part of the team, but I don't think he should be an everyday player because of his age. Give him some time off, uh, let him recharge his batteries so he can at least provide some, you know, rewarding aspect to the Islanders. So, um, like I said, beer, but it's, it, it, it's close. Normally I would agree with you on a beer, but I'm actually going to buy a round on this one. And the reason why I'm going to buy around is the Islanders are at a point in which he probably is going to have to be an everyday guy. I mean, look at their depth chart. Unless, and you said it before, Lou does not like to rush along his young guys. So are we really going to see Salo come in and take those minutes? Are we really going to see uh, Sebastian Ajo come in and take those minutes? And, it, and if they don't succeed right off the bat, then he's going to continue to have to rely on Chara, who you're right about. He can't play every game. He's got to have games off. I mean, he he's clearly starting to look his age. And like I said before, he is not a Yarmir Yager 44. He is a probably should have been done 44, if you ask me. And I, I know, you know, it, there, there's no Ranger fan bias in this telling you right now your body your mind tells you you can do something but your body tells you that you can do another and he's had a long long illustrious career he's a hall of famer for sure first ballot and the thing thing about him is too it's not like he's out of he's like a for his age the guy's insanely in shape like he's he's a he's a guy that's known to take care of his body and he's like I said, he, he's still a specimen, but sometimes you could be in great physical shape, but sometimes your legs still go, especially at that size and that age. It's a shame. But uh, I'm with Rick on this one. I mean, he definitely has the smarts for the game still. That reach will always help him. I mean, can he be a, a, a guy that you shelter really in type of like a, a third pairing slash penalty killing role? Yeah. Sure. But the problem is the Islanders don't have the – they don't have the 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 pieces right now to put him in that role. So he's got to play above his station when you think about it, no? Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's paired with um, Dobson, um, which is, again, it help, helping the young guy out. But, um, yeah, cause the, thing, the thing about it is you're right. Because Chara's on the left side, but the guy who's, you know, below him on the left side is Andy Green, another old guy. So you're right. They don't have that other guy to um, – 
you know, to do it. But yeah, you're right. He does, like you mentioned, and I mentioned, he has those, he has those, you know, capabilities still, his reach and his ability on the, on the penalty kill and his strength to move people in front of the net. But, you know, and, and again, that's why I'm, I'm saying for you not round because like he still can be helpful in that role, but um, I am, I am afraid um, at his age, if they play him every day, he's going to get even more burnt out. Yeah, and, and that that's really why I'm saying round is because they're going to have to at this point unless they make a deal to address that. And I, I just – I don't know what options are going to be available. Um, no one's really going to look to make a trade right now unless it's an offer that they can't refuse. And if, if that's the case, then Lou would probably have to give up more than he would like to get that done. And you know Lou's shrewd, so yeah, he's not no. going to make that move right now or anytime soon. And no team should because it's early. Yeah. But – it's definitely something to be concerned about going forward. And we will go on to our next topic. Cross the river. Jack Hughes will have a huge year. I'll start this one off. And I am going to go with a round. And three rounds yeah. in a row for you. What's up? Three rounds in a row for you. I, I this one was not my doing. This was Mark's doing. Uh, but I, I have been saying this for a while. I'm sticking with it. Uh, Jack Hughes is just he's going to be a really good player. And to me, I, I think he ends up being somewhere around what Matt Barzell is. Both great skaters, both great playmakers. Both guys who could probably benefit from shooting the puck a little more and having better shots, but they're both extremely talented. And Jack Hughes is eventually going to be a lot harder to knock off the puck, like just like Matt Barzell is. So um, I will, I, I will definitely say around there. Um, he's already showing it, but he looked like he was showing signs of it last year. I, I think with the improved team around him, not that it's a greatly improved team, but they do have assets coming up that will help them obviously going forward. I'm going to, I'm going to say round here. So, um, you know, if you asked me this yesterday, I would have say round, but I'm saying beer only because of his injury yesterday. Um, when you, when you saw him, when you saw him skate off his one, you know, his one shoulder was, he was favoring it. It was kind of hunched over and lower than the other. Um, yeah, I don't know what the outlook yet is, but um, he didn't return and it didn't look very good. So um, obviously, if he's out for any stretch of time, that might affect his ability to have a huge year. Um, but yeah, the kids with the kid it has all the goods to break out. And uh, I, you know, I've been a proponent of saying that, too. Um, but I'm afraid what his injury, what his potential this injury could have been might do to him. But um, yeah, there's, there's no doubt he's immensely talented and not before long, he's going to be, you know, one of the top players in the league, but, um, I, I, I'm just pausing on the round based on, you know, what his injury possibly might've been last night. I think he comes back and I think he's gonna, he's going to be all right. I, I, I mean, you got to remember Connor McDavid had that, that shoulder slash clavicle injury in his rookie year and he came back and he just picked up right where he left off. And I'm not saying Jack Hughes is Connor McDavid, but when you're at a skill level that high and you're drafted number one overall for a reason, like Jack Hughes was, I, I think he's going to be all right. If it's a, if it's a long-term nagging issue, then yeah, we might be looking at a problem there. Well, they might be looking at a problem there, I should say, but I think Jack Hughes or uh, Jack Hughes will be 
just fine when it's all said and done. Hopefully, for the devil's sake, he's not out too long because, like you said, that could put a damper on things. So uh, we're going to go on to the next topic here. The Montreal Canadiens are in serious trouble. Floor is yours. Um, I'm going to go beer. Um, like I said earlier, um, it's early in the season. I own four. Believe me, it, you know it's 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 certainly not good. Um, and I know Mark Bergeron had a had a press conference today, and he acknowledged that you know one of the reasons why he was having a press conference already is because despite it's early, obviously they're in a market in Montreal where um, you know the coverage and everything is insane. Um, but you know, uh, I, I think uh, you know they they do have their issues. Carry prices out. Um, Shea Weber, you know, he's probably not going to ever play again. Um, and Price, more specifically, is a huge loss. I mean, that's a tremendous loss. Um, and you can see it's affecting them. Um, I know we really said, based on how they were in the all-Canadian division last year, that things were, you know, not not particularly <laughs> that Running hard. Running hockey. But now they're in the Atlantic. They're gonna. I think they're gonna have a lot of competition. So, uh, own four is digging them a hole. But again, it is only four games. It is still real early. Um, but it's definitely not a way you want to start. But it's not catastrophic yet. Um, so that's why I'm, it's not around for me. It's just a beer. <laughs> I'm going four in a row. I'm buying around on this one too, and I I, I know it's early. But you laid out why I'm going for with a round. You stated that the 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 losses of players like Carey Price and Shea Weber, and I think it's just too much to overcome. Your start, Jake Allen's been decent, but Carey Price is still Carey Price, no matter how overrated he may have, he may be by the Canadian media. He's still Carey Price, and he's still he's still significantly better than Jake Allen. Like it's like here to like here. That's how much better Carey Price is. Shea Weber is on the very probably entering the twilight of his career at that age, but he's still a very good defender that helps out this team, and you, you saw that in the playoffs. So I, I think. The record isn't really why they're in serious trouble. It's the way that they're they're losing these games. They're just getting blown out. And, uh, honestly, aside from the Ranger game, they haven't looked good in any of the games. And the Rangers were the Rangers have been an up and down team so far. So if the, if the Montreal Canadiens can't pull it together and and beat a team that's up and down like the Rangers that have their own problems, their own injuries, their own inconsistencies. Oh, that's it's not saying a lot of good for them. So no. yeah, yeah, I'm 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 definitely taking a dump on the Rangers here. Hi, yeah, lifelong devoted Ranger fan. Gonna gonna be honest with you. Gonna be brutally honest. So if Montreal can't get that done, that that's that's an indictment on them. So yeah, I I do think they're in serious trouble, and I I think that their their window to make the playoffs might close a little sooner than people expect. I'm not going to say that it's going to be in, in in November or so that they're going to be almost mathematically eliminated because obviously it's not possible, but this team does not look good. And honestly, I think by December, January, you might, you might hear more rumors about them looking to sell off. So 
Going to move on to the next topic. Goaltending will be Philadelphia's Achilles heel. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go around on this. Uh, Hart, um, he, he was not good in that game against Vancouver. Um, I, I think this is a guy that for them to be good, um, he needs to really elevate his game to what people thought he would be, you know, when he got drafted. Um, and if he has a season like he did last year, it's absolutely going to be their Achilles heel because they're not, they're going to lose more games than they win. Yeah. I, I just, you know what? It's carried over. I know it's early, but it's, it's carried over. It, it, it doesn't look right and it doesn't look good for Philadelphia. They're going to have to get their situation sorted out in goal because if, if this is, something that's going to carry on and Carter Hart's not going to get back to where he was a couple of years back, then that's a big, big problem for them going forward because who who's their goaltending depth behind Carter Hart? Alex Lyon? Martin Jones. Martin Jones? I mean, but who? what prospects did they have that are well, really going to come I out? I really think uh, really much of anyone of significance, at least to my knowledge. It's it's not like they have a Devin Levi like Buffalo does after getting him from Florida for Sam Reinhardt. It's not like they have a Spencer Knight ready to come come up behind Carter Hart or anything like that. Um, yeah, actually, you know, just just people showing some friendly concern for you, Anthony. Oh, I mean, good good fellow, good fellows. <laughs> speaking of which, was on before. I think it was AMC that it was on. So yeah, um, but. This kind of sums it up with, from from Brody. They can't ever shake the revolving door. It just seems like it's one goalie after another. They can't figure it out. Do you, like, do you think it's the goaltending coach that they have there, or do you think it's just they're missing on every pick that they make in goalies because they haven't really brought along a good goaltender that that's lasted in the NHL. Again, this is going to discount guys like Chekmonic and Nidamaki, who you know were okay for a minute, but they haven't really had a real goaltender since uh, Ron Hextall. Well, yeah, I mean, you, I guess you could say so. Bobrovsky was a flyer, and he, you know he's he developed into obviously a good goaltender. He's won two Vesna trophies. Um, but, but he didn't do it in Philly. No, he didn't do it in Philly. Uh, I, I mean, I can't say it's the goaltending coach because it's been going on for so long. I just think they just miss on goalies and make bad, you know, and make bad decisions and feel bad for him. But oh um, wait, so so you mean how kind of like the Rangers haven't been able to draft a sixty point forward that stayed with them since Tony Amonti? Then right? Ooh, <laughs> not a good look, Chris Drury. So again, though it's it's early, so you know I got to give Carter Hart some some time. But uh, like you know, it's definitely a valid conversation. And if he doesn't, <laughs> if he doesn't bounce back, um, the Flyers are in trouble. And I, I love how Mark actually waved to me while watching this. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Mark, I'm doing okay with it. I had to tell everybody that they had to just bear with me for a second. And I apologize for being slow and a little short on the uh, the comment interaction there. So, but uh, we're going to go on to our next topic here. And lo and behold, look who's at the center of controversy again. 
Nikita Kucherov's injury will prevent Tampa Bay from winning the Atlantic Division. I'm going to start this one off, and I'm going to buy everybody a round. Looks like Filk is feeling generous today. Uh, yeah, uh, this is bad enough because Florida looks like they're the improved team with a ton of depth. We know Tampa's got the the, the championship panel. They've got the pedigree. Um, I think that they are probably on a little bit of a downtrend, Tampa. I think that if they can make some moves at the deadline, they can win the division. But now that this has happened, I, I don't see how that works. Unless they're somehow going to just come out of nowhere and I'm going to have to use the Jackie Chan meme where he's just like like this because they, they come out somehow and get Jack Eichel. Uh, which I'm not saying it's going to happen. I, I I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think it's even less likely that they get them than the Rangers, but Tampa somehow pulls a heel move and makes some shocking move and somehow gets somebody. But Florida is just too good. If Ekblad's not out for a serious amount of time and they go out and get a defender at the deadline – I think they're winning that division, and I just think this Kucherov injury, we don't know how long he's going to be out for, is just really going to stop them from doing that. So, I'm going round uh, just because of how good Florida is this year. Um, you know, they, they lost their whole third line uh, that was so good for them last year. Um, you know, they're, they're a different team without them, those three guys, and now when you minus Kucherov's from the lineup too, um, they're just simply not as good as they were last year. And again, with with Florida being better, you know, Toronto still being Toronto, a regular season team, you know, the the Bruins still hanging around. Um, I, I don't I don't see how they'll win the Atlantic Division with Kucherov out for an extended period of time. Yeah, I I, I don't see it. Uh, if this was any other year, and Florida was still one of those teams where you just thought that they didn't have the depth to do it, okay. At that point, Toronto. Could be a problem, especially if they go out and they they finally get the pieces that they need. Uh, I don't see Boston being an issue. I don't know if I trust Allmark, but I definitely think that Florida and Toronto could really give Tampa Bay a lot of problems because Toronto's offense is still going to be really, really good with the big four. Moving on to the next topic. Tristan Jari and the Pittsburgh Penguins are greatly underestimated. I'm going to take this one to start, and I'm going to break my trend of buying everybody around. I'm only going to go with a beer this time. So the reason why I do this is because of the fact that I think that they've gotten somewhat lucky in some of their games. Pittsburgh played Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a bleeded team depth-wise. Pittsburgh absolutely outworked them in that game. I'll give them credit They've played some real good hockey. Uh, they, they've lost, I believe, in a shootout in another game, and they lost in, uh, and they won another. I, I really think that they're, this is always how it is with them. They somehow find a way to get some wins, and then Crosby and Malcolm will come back, and they'll be all right, and they'll start winning some games. I don't think that they were greatly underestimated. I think that – People were talking about them not making the playoffs. I also think that this team is sort of playing over their head because I don't understand. I don't 
I don't see how I should say how they sustain playing the way that they are without Crosby and Malkin. I, I, eventually, at some point, it's going to come to an end, and they're going to start losing games. And that's when we're going to look at, oh, well, here's the conversation again. Is Pittsburgh done? So I'm going to buy a beer. What about um, you, sir? Um, I'm going to go – I'm actually going to take a shot on this. Um, you know, yeah, they've been they've been okay without Crosby and Malkin. Um, they've, played, they've played well at times. But when it comes down to it, Tristan Jari still is not a good goaltender. Um, Denton Heinen actually scored a couple times for them. I, I don't really think he was, you know, a, g- a great addition or well, at least a downgrade from um, McCann and, and Tanev. But um, he's played he's played okay for the first couple of games of the season. But um, I really don't think over a long stretch of time he's someone that they could really rely on. Um, Jeff Carter is 36 years old. Um, and really all circles back to Tristan Jari. I don't think he's that good. Um so I think this Penguin team, while they've played okay this year so far, um, I don't. I still don't think they're underestimated, even even though they're doing this without Crosby and Malkin. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I I, I think that there's there's a certain point where I think I think it's a little too early, I should say, to ask this question. Uh, and again, I, I try not to put too much stock into things that are uh, you know going on right now at this very moment because of the fact that you have situations where you have a team like Buffalo that's somehow three and out. Just doesn't make any sense. It's things things are going to happen early on. So, and going on to our next topic. Dylan Larkin and Gabriel Landeskog suspensions were fitting for the actions. I'm going to start this one, and I'm going to go back to buying people rounds. Yes, they should have gotten suspended the way they did. Yes, those hits are violent and dangerous. Yes, the suspensions were fitting. There's nothing really else to say in my eyes in, in regards to that. Um Gabriel Landeskog hit a player that was already down on his knees and he didn't need to do that. He had time to let up. There was no reason to do it. Um, Dylan Larkin. All right. Matthew Joseph. Was it that, that hit him from behind? Yeah. He should have definitely gotten a penalty for that. Honestly, I think if you want to start sending a message, start suspending players that throw hits like that, give them a game. And if they're repeat offenders, Start going up by a game if there's no injuries. And I, I, I get it. I don't like calling to an injury, but if you check someone from behind and they get up and you, you check them in a very, very dangerous position, how about we really start – we stop slapping guys on the wrists and really start handing out some punishments so that they stop doing these things? Because it seems like the only time that they stop doing it is when you hit them in the wallet where it really hurts. So for, for me, I, I'm I've got to buy a round on this. What about you, Anth? Um, I'm buying a round too. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Matthew Joseph should have got a penalty. Um, I get Dylan Larkin was a was upset, um, but you can't get up and just go vigilante and you know vigilante and and just you know punch someone like that. I mean, it's um, you know it's dangerous, frankly, um, and it's you can't do it. I mean, it reminds me of um, when. Uh, Ryan, when Ryan Holloway uh, boarded Chris Simon's head into the glass, which was which was should have been a penalty and was and was rather dirty, but Chris Simon can't get up and, and swing his stick at him because of it. And 
similar on a lesser scale. I mean, Dylan Larkin can't just, you know, get up and, and swing at Joseph for the hit. Um, no. But so the, the suspension was fitting. Um, it was dumb. Um, I'm sure he'll learn from it. You know, Dylan Larkin's not a dirty player at all. It's the first time he ever had any, uh, any other type of uh, disciplinary actions held against him. I think he'll learn from it. Yeah, I, I, I just – I don't like seeing that. I, I, I get that officiating needs to be better. I, I've been talking about cracking down on hits like that for years. Get it out of the game. I, I, I know – I don't know if you remember this. I'm pretty sure a lot of Ranger fans will – but uh, during the 12-13 season when I believe it was Patrick Coletta hit Brad Richards into the boards from behind and he was down and it looked like a lot of us thought that he was going to be paralyzed from the neck down because he had a stinger and he couldn't move at all for like a good five minutes. He ended up, you know, leaving the game and he was all right in the end. But, I mean, that was really, when you think about it and you look back on it, that was probably – the, the moment where you realize that Richards was in the twilight of his career. It was that that moment. But we got a couple more topics left here. First one being Drew Doughty is right about Kirill Kaprizov. And to uh, put this in – or to give the context, I should say, is that Drew Doughty went off and said that Kirill Kaprizov is overpaid for – 50 games worth of hockey and that he shouldn't have gotten the deal that he got. So Anthony, I'll let you start off with this one. Shot. Kill Kirill Kaprizov is a, um, I think is already an elite player. Um, he's shown it last year and, you know, he's been pretty dynamic this year. I get why he's saying it because, you know, the guy played one, well, not even a full year, 56 games and he's already getting that type of money. Um, which is true, but talent's talent. You can see it. The guy, the guy came over and was um, was pretty dominant for the Wild. And if you also look at his body work in the KHL, you know it's not some kind of eighteen year old kid coming over and you know being a flash in the pan for one year. Kaprizov showed over a long period of time that he's an elite level hockey player. So I have no problem with how much money he got already. He deserved it. And I think he's, he's fun to watch. He's electric. He brings people out of their seats and, and I think he's just going to continue to get better. I'll say first that Dowdy is right. Technically right. I should say that he's getting paid for a very, very small sample size. But with that said, I'm going shot the whole way on this. And the reason I'm going to say that is because, like you said, Kirill Kaprizov is an elite-level player. He showed it. He was on pace for 40 goals and 70-plus points as a rookie on Minnesota on a line with Victor Rask and Matt Zuccarello. He's not playing with elite-level players, but he's getting a lot from those guys, and those guys are getting the best, the very best, out of Kaprizov. And I'm telling you right now, if Kaprizov was playing on any other team with top-end talent, like let's just say he was playing, he took Miko Rantanen's place in Colorado and was playing with Nathan McKinnon. He probably would have been on pace for, a, for close to 100 points last year. He's probably a top-10 scorer in the league on a line like that. Or if he replaced David Pasternak on the perfection line. Could you imagine how that line would look with Kaprizov on it? What if he played on the other side of Artemi Panarin in New York? Or... Here's a crazy idea. What if you put two of the better skaters in the league in Matt Barzal and Kirill Kaprizov together? 
Does Matt Barzal get back to an 80 to 90 point player in that range? I would think so. I, I mean, I, I'm just saying he, this guy's incredibly talented yeah. and, and Drew Doughty of, of all people, huh, pot, meat kettle. Cause you're one of the most overpaid players in the entire league. And you yeah. probably shouldn't be talking about a player that came in and won the Calder like yeah. that. So Doughty again, Joe's point is exactly yeah. got overpaid on past performance and Kirill is getting paid on what he should, should be being uh, paid worth going forward. And yeah, uh, apparently gun and granny likes the uh, idea of Kirill with uh, Barzal. Uh, unfortunately, you guys probably aren't going to get to see that. And I don't think Kirill's going anywhere and rightfully so. I think Minnesota finally needs a superstar that they haven't had since Marion Gabrick. So um, we're going to do one more topic here in Bar Talk and one of our more controversial ones. Look who's back in the news. Evander Kane will not play a game this season and is done in San Jose. Anthony, fire away. I mean, I, I definitely think he's done in San Jose. A lot of his teammates expressed um, – you know, and Hurdle was one of them. He went about the comments that, you know, if he was back, that he didn't want to be there. Uh, and other players have commented on it as well. So I don't I don't see how you could how you could bring him back into, you know, into that locker room. Um, you know, because it, it, it's not like he did something. He did something that was like a, I don't try to come up with an example, but I, mean, I guess the thing is like the thing he got suspended for was the fake vaccination card. You know, and and let and last season you have all all these players, you know, adhering to all these these COVID rules and and being so diligent, um, you know, not going not going out on the road, staying in your hotel, and maybe before you were vaccinated or or even after. But um, the fact that Evander Kane has a fake vax card and presumably was going around and using it to to, to do functions that he wouldn't normally been if he wasn't. Um, that's kind of almost like a betrayal to your teammates in a way when they're all doing something and you have one guy doing that. So I get why they'd be so upset about him and then just overall being distraction. So I don't see how they could bring him back in that locker room. But uh, as others have said, I don't know how you trade him too at that point. I mean, I'm sure other teams, players probably feel the same way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Sharks' options are when you know his 21 games is, is served and up. Um, so it, it's around to, to being done in San Jose, but I'm not so sure on that on playing game this season. Cause there might be a team that, you know, will take him because he did have a, a really good year last year. Okay. It's called spade. It's called spade a spade. So, um, I, think, yeah, I guess we'll go beer. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it'll be tough to trade him, but I, I think there will be a team out there that will take a chance. I am going to go back to buying rounds because I just feel so generous today. I really <laughs> like why why not? You know, it's a it's a Wednesday. We're doing the best thing. And Anthony, you have Mark's headshot. Yeah, that is I don't, your Oh God, that's great. Um yeah. I, I'm and and Stephen actually brings up a good point here. Um, Arizona or Chicago will one hundred percent take a chance on a Vander Kane. Uh, I, Chicago, with everything that's gone on with them, I really wouldn't put it past them. Arizona, I don't know if they would. Um, Rick, 
good point. You got to wonder how many play, how many more players are out there that have the fake Vax cards. So, and yeah, we saw you know Tyler Bertuzzi score four goals in an opener. You know, not being vaccinated, but I, I, you know, at least Tyler, at least Tyler, uh, yeah, Mark doesn't want to sabotage the show, but at least Tyler Bertuzzi, um, he didn't lie about it. And I, I was talking about this on Twitter with people. Why is Vitaly Kravtsov going to trust Chris Drury or Gerard Gallant at this point to do the right thing? And that's why it's going to be really hard to get him back over because when you do the same thing to somebody twice, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Uh, if Evander Kane is capable of doing this, doesn't it make you wonder about how um, – Oh, God, Stephen, I've seen this joke like 15 million times already. Jeez. Uh, but you know what? Um, I I got to say that there's no trust factor with with the teammates anymore. Like you, if if I'm a teammate, you, you referenced Hurdle's comments. If, if I'm a teammate and I know that somebody, uh, you know, did that, how, how can I trust them? Not even just as a teammate, but in, in walks of life. Like, I don't want to be in a locker room with somebody like that anymore. And Hurdle's right for saying what he said. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just, you know what? Evander Kane is just somebody who just does not know when to quit when it comes to doing dumb things. And this is the guy that back in the 2013 lock, uh, 2012, 2013 lockout signed a new contract and then, took off a, a, a photo in a hotel room with tons of cash. Yeah. Posted it on social media mm-hmm. like an idiot. So it seems like nothing has changed with him. He hasn't matured at all. And he's not really somebody that you want to be around on a team. And I mean, he's already rubbed his teammates the wrong way. I, I, I just wonder who actually takes a flyer on him and takes the risk at this point. I mean, this guy is – I mean, Tony D'Angelo was a PR nightmare, but he was a PR nightmare for different reasons. Evander Kane is a PR nightmare also because he's a health risk on top of being apparently a, a bad locker room presence. So uh, I, I really I really have to wonder who, um, who ends up taking a chance on him. But uh, that is it for Bar Talk. So if you uh, agree with us about Evander Kane or whether you think uh, Drew Doughty should probably stop talking about other players when he's the definition of overpaid, do you think uh, Dylan Larkin and Gabriel Landeskog should have been suspended or should they have been suspended even longer? Do you think that Tristan Jari and Pittsburgh are somehow underrated? I don't know if I agree with that at all. Uh, do you think Nikita Kucherov is what will prevent Tampa from winning the Atlantic? Does Carter Hart rebound and actually help Philly, or does Philly continue their quest for their first developed goaltender since Ron Hextall? Is Montreal in trouble? Is Jack Hughes going to come back from his injury and have himself a big year? Is the Daniel Chara cooked? And is Adam Fox going to take a little bit of a discount or is he going to get about $9 million and this contract will still be a bargain compared to Charlie McAvoy's based on production? 
Definitely like, share, and subscribe. Put it down in the comments below. Let us know what you think and keep tuning in. Um, and Anthony, I don't know if you want to go over trade rumors, if there's anything to really talk about. Um, I, I don't know of anything right off the top of my head. There's not really any updates on like the Dylan Strom fronts. Jack Eichel, I mean, we could talk about that and how Buffalo doesn't want to retain salary, but they will take back contracts. Um, I, I don't know what other trade rumors are out there really, though, at this point. Right? Nothing really. No. Nothing really. So we're going to – we don't really have any editorials. There's no honest press conferences today. So, guys, Q&A time. Let us know what you were thinking about everything uh, you can comment on me being an amateur at this um, you can say that I have better lighting at the different location that I'm at today oh um, yeah you are in a different location yes I am I am uh, pet sitting for family so I'm in a different yeah. location where the lighting is a lot better uh, obviously it looks a lot better too and there's a it's almost like a gray screen if you will and yeah. green screen a gray screen so but um I mean, talk about yeah. like you want like like players that um I think are, are, are very early or playing well. Um, I like um, Jonathan Dolan on San Jose. I thought yeah. I thought he's been pretty good for the Sharks. What about um, Willie Meckland? Yeah, Willie Willie Meckland. Good uh, too. Just like Cole Sillinger, another current first round pick from this year's draft, playing. Um, you know, and I give credit. Talk about the Buffalo Sabers being three and zero. I mean. It's not Jeez. gonna last. It's not gonna last. But you know the three and zero. They 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 capitalized on a on a weak Montreal team at the moment. They beat them. You know they beat they beat Vancouver, who who have weapons to hurt you. Uh, and then they you know they beat a, a dreadful team in in Arizona. Um, I think one of the teams will be worse than them. But you know three three wins is three wins. So uh, I think it's pretty funny how they uh, they started off hot. Yeah, I don't understand Buffalo. I really don't. Uh, I, Montreal, and that, that's another thing. Montreal, to me, it's concerning because one of those losses was to Buffalo. And I, I get you could say they're 3-0 and and they're playing well, but you cannot lose the way that they lost to Buffalo. That that's To me, that's really – that's kind of unacceptable. So yeah. um, I would – if anything, I would say that – Montreal's losses are concerning, not just because of the numbers, but the way they've lost them. Yeah. And the, the Sabres, uh, Stephen made a, a post here. Imagine how good the Sabres will be once Eichel is back. I, yeah, I don't see that happening. I know you're probably being a very, uh, very sarcastic there. Um, no, I am actually not in a safe house or in witness protection. <laughs> if, I, if I was in a safe house for some sort, it's probably because I speared a guy with a trident. And I oh, need to lay low. No, no, no big <laughs> loop. But um, Moritz Sider is winning the Calder. Ah. It's possible. There's no real, there's no real Calder like runaway yet. Well, I haven't. It's, it's so early. I it's mean, so it, early. You know. I, I like um. I like how Jamie Drysdale looked in, in Anaheim. Yes. He's, he's been pretty good. Um, we just mentioned Jonathan Dolan has looked good. Um, Mason you know, McTavish. Uh, yeah, Mason McTavish also in Anaheim. Travis Trevor Zegers also in Anaheim. Trevor Zegers looks very uh, good too. You know, Cole, 
Cole Caulfield, Montreal, the whole team struggled, but you know, you got it. You got to count him in it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, so there, there's, there's a lot of different choices out there um, for rookie of the year. Um, but uh, that, that's to bring that to Detroit. Detroit's actually been, been a pretty formidable team so far this year. They haven't, you know, they, they had that, that game against the lightning where they almost, well, they ended up losing seven, six. It was a barn burner, but for a while they were, they were beating Tampa Bay like four, one, they stormed back. Yeah. They really were putting a hurt on them. Yep. Detroit, Detroit hasn't been that bad. Um, you know, and the San Jose that's another team that we thought were going to be pretty bad. They started off, I think they're, they're two and oh, I believe right now. Um, so it's all still so very, very early for it to mean anything. But it's interesting how to see some of these teams have started. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Buffalo's obviously the biggest surprise, but the yeah. Detroit, I, I really thought Detroit was going to pull that out. Uh, I mean, Anaheim, they they went they ahead well. in that game against yeah. Edmonton last night. They, they, they were well. ahead, or for, for a while they were ahead. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they lost that game, and Connor McDavid just was like, okay, I'm, I'm done playing around. I'm, I'm Connor McDavid. You're, you're going you're gonna to deal with me because – I, that's just what I do. But let's talk about Connor McDavid and, and Leon Dreisaitl. They both oh have my God. eight points in three games. I yeah, mean, McDavid has just been unbelievable again. He's picked up right where he's left off. Yeah. I mean, he's picked he, up right where he left off. That's more than that's more than averaging two points per game. That, yeah, that's like two and a half points per game. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. All right, so just to so eight eight points in three games. We're we're just gonna do a little math here. Eight divided into yeah, two point six six points per game. Over eighty two, that's two hundred and eighteen. <laughs> and obviously, that's not going to happen. Yeah. That's not going to stay. But realistically, if he continues at this pace, or somewhere close to it. Uh, let's say into like November, December. Do we start looking at the first 150 point season yeah. in, in 25 years? I, I would say so. And, and you got to also throw dry sidle into that. You know, he's, he's, you know, he's capable of, of producing at a really, really high clip too. And he's got eight points in three games too. So, um, you know, the, I think those I think those two are going to be the class of the league again, which is not really a surprise. Um, and we'll give some love to Anze Kopitar in L.A. He's got eight points, too, um, so far this year. Kopitar yeah, he had a four-point game the other night, yeah. and he had it against Vegas, of all yeah. teams, which was really shocking. L.A. looked really good against Vegas. Not only that, but you got two Selkie-caliber centers down the middle in, in Kopitar and Deneau. Yeah. And and Dowdy's still a good defenseman, although he's terribly overpaid. Yeah. But I, I just I, I can't even I can't even begin to talk about the improvements that LA looks like that they've made. And I've actually forgot to uh hide this banner. Sorry about that. And but um Alex Ovechkin, four goals already. Climbing the mountain. Yeah. The yep. historical mountain. Uh, you know what? It's it, it's crazy to think about because it, it's now all of a sudden you're you're looking at you're looking at him passing guys like Marcel Dion. He's, I mean, he's, he's he's coming up on Brett Hall. Yep. 
Uh, I, I mean, he he might be by the end of the season, he might be in sole position, uh, sole possession of fourth all time in goal scoring. Probably will be. He's not I, I, off the top of my head. I would think he's probably only what like twelve, maybe twelve goals or so behind Hall, something like that. Hall was what seven forty one. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was seven. He was around seven forty something, and Ovechkin entered entered the season. I think at seven thirty one. Yeah, Alex Ovechkin is at 734 right now. Brett Hall is yeah, 741. So he's only seven behind. Seven, yeah. So he's yeah, he's definitely he's gonna help he'll probably pass Hall in the next two weeks. Yeah, he'll he'll I mean he's going to the, the he's, he's third, third all time is Yager. And Yager it was Yager 766. That's the one where yeah. I, I that's what I'm saying. I think by the end of the season he can be he can beef. Third all time, maybe. The guy's already got four goals. I mean, he's. Let's put it. Let's put it this way about about Ovechkin. Let's say let's say he scores he scores fifty goals this year. Which, by the way, fifty goals at thirty six years old is would be would would be absurd. It would, it would fifty goals at his age of thirty six years would be would be ridiculous. But if he scores fifty goals, would you say that pretty much seals that he's gonna that that he he'll beat the record? Because a fifty goal season goes along; it dramatically brings down it dramatically brings down the amount of goals he would have to score over the next four years if he had a fifty goal season. Because we're saying right now, even before the season started, if he averaged thirty, if he averaged thirty five goal or thirty was like thirty two, thirty three goals for the next five years, he has the record. So think about what a fifty goal season would this year would do for the average for over the rest of the all right to break the record. So let let's go back to Ovechkin, thirty four goals. He would need another forty six to hit fifty this year. Another forty six would put him at seven eighty. Uh, yeah, I would say that would probably put him. I, I think it would probably seal the deal if he has another fifty this year. Because how much? What, what, what would that? What would that put it at? Eight eight ninety four minus seven with the number you just said. Seven eighty would be one fourteen away. So and then you do. He signed a five year contract, right? Yeah, and then he has four more years after that. Yeah, so, so he he would he would need maybe about twenty seven goals a year, I think, to break that. Yeah. It's nothing. I, yeah. Yep. It's, it's nothing. But um, I, I definitely it, it's it's interesting to watch. And Wayne Gretzky said it best, and I've said this before too. The selfish part of me obviously doesn't want to see it because Gretzky's my idol. I'm, I'm a Gretzky guy. Everybody who knows me knows this. But um, I can tell you right now, it's going to be good for the game, and it would be good for us. And I, yeah. I think there would be eyes all over every every type of hockey media outlet if. Yep. Alexander Ovechkin were to break the record. So, you know, in a way we should be rooting for it, but in a way I'm also kind of like, you know, it's, it's tough, but I will, I I will definitely say that Ovechkin, if there's a guy that deserves to do it, it's, it's a guy that's has been as prolific as he has. Yeah. And there's, there's no arguing that. Wayne Gretzky said on the, on the last week when there was the first telecast on TNT, um, he said flat out, he's like, what? he's like, Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of our, of our generation. Uh, I, he's arguably the greatest one of all time. Yeah. 
Um, and, and speaking of which, what do you think of the TNT and ESPN broadcasts so far? I I like I like that it's back on ESPN, but I love the broadcast on TNT. I I, I did. Um, I loved I loved the whole. Um, you know, Barkley. bringing in Barkley. I, I thought that was really <laughs> cool. Um, you know, I loved I loved it. I thought it was fun. Um, it is different, and I and I'm really happy for our sport that we have these two networks. I thought it was great. I mean, ESPN, like the one last night, the Islander Blackhawks game. Um, Ferraro and McDonough. I mean, they're not the best broadcasters. Um, I thought you know, but I like Ray Sean McDonough. He's not bad. He really isn't bad, but I, I don't know. There's it feels like there's something missing with him. I don't know if it's the energy. I I don't know what it is, but just am I in the minority here when I when I say that? About McDonald? Yeah. Like is it like doesn't it feel like something's missing? Yeah, I, I agree. He's not. You know, he's not. He's not the best. But um, you know, clearly when you think of like Kenny Albert. Brendan Burke, um, you know, I, I like Eddie, Eddie Olchek's not a play-by-play. He's commentary, but he's good. Um, those are like the, you know, the, the, the A guys. And then you have guys like, you know, Ferrar. Actually, Ferrar I, I like. I think he's I think he's pretty good. But I would say McDonough's kind of like the B squad um, of, like, the broadcasters. I know John Forslund's the Seattle guy now, but, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a really good broadcaster. But – I think overall ESPN TNT's broadcast teams that they have are, are pretty good. You can't complain. And and yeah, and, and and no one's no one's saying that he has to be Mark uh Mike Emmerich Mark. There's no one that is saying that. He's he's not going to be. He's not even gonna be Gary Thorne. Uh, yeah. but it just Sean Sean's right here. He's a little too low key. He's a little too subdued for a sport like hockey, if you ask me. That's why I was hoping that Gary Thorne. Oh, I was also hoping because I love Gary Thorne, but I was really hoping Gary Thorne would come back because yeah, I, I think did. the energy that you would get from Gary Thorne would really, really help. I wonder if it, I wonder if it's his age that held him. I mean, I think I think he's pushing eighty, Gary Thorne. I think he's like seventy-seven or or something along that seventy-eight. They were in talks with him. So, and, and another thing I just saw from Guntone Granny, I'm not really a fan of of their podcast. I'm not going to name that podcast, but I'm not really a fan of it. But I will say that Bissonette has been pretty damn good so far. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? He he brings the comedy element, but when he had to get serious about doing analysis and breakdown, he was good with it. And I, I didn't expect that. Not, not that I'm saying that this guy is brainless or anything like that. But I mean, he's known for his comedy on his podcast. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, it was funny because they were all joking around about you know being uh, uh you know all having money on Bissonette being the first one to shirt Wayne Gretzky, and it ended up being Anson Carter, which yeah, I thought was absolutely yeah. hilarious because yeah. Anson Carter is just not viewed as that type of guy. Who I, I love Anson Carter, by the way. I thought that was such a big, big pickup for, for TNT because I think he's absolutely tremendous in what he does. But um, they really did a lot of good. So, yeah. Were, were the games, uh, the game, we got two games on tonight, both TNT, oddly enough the Bruins and the Flyers and the Blues and yeah. the Knights. 
Yeah, and, and those are going to be some pretty good games, I, I would say. I mean, look, looking at what we have here, you got two teams that are looking to prove themselves in Boston and Philadelphia. Boston needs to get back to the land of the elite. And Philadelphia, I mean, they're trying to prove themselves as a playoff team. Yeah. Their, their goaltending is going to be the sole fo- – actually, goaltending is really going to be the big focus tonight. Is Omar going to be what Omar has been in the last couple of years or so? Is Carter Hart going to continue to, to to flounder like we talked about before? Is that perfection line going to put a number uh, put a hurting on Carter Hart? I mean, there are a lot of things. And then St. Louis and, and Vegas. St. Louis, 2-0 so far. Vegas, they got schlacked by L.A. They did not yeah. look good. So, And, you know, the – the uh, the schedule is so lopsided. The the Rangers played four games so far. The Bruins only played one game going into tonight, which so is really weird. Yeah, I, I don't. But again, I, well, at the end of the day, they all play eighty two, so it catches up. But it, it's just funny how some teams just the game, it's so lopsided. Games yeah, games. I mean, I I don't I don't want to complain about the the scheduling or anything like that. Just because I know it's it can't be easy to do this, especially with 32 teams and a new team yeah. coming in, and two two different teams that had the same building manager the, or project manager, I should say, building their two new buildings. I mean, being on the road for the first month or two of the season. So, yeah. but how has Boston only played one game? Yeah, it doesn't a, make sense to me. It doesn't make sense either. It really doesn't. No, oh, but. but but I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, I love watching the TNT telecasts, so I can't wait to watch them again tonight. Um, speaking of which, you want to go until about maybe six thirty? Do you got to get off before that? Uh, I think pretty soon I was gonna get restless for dinner, so maybe just a couple more minutes. All right, so you know we'll go to a quarter after. So we'll 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 make another about seven minutes out of this. Yeah, that's fine. So, um, but I mean. Got other people saying here that they boy, and and this is absolutely true. The other thing I'll say is that NBC did not do anything to promote the game. They did, no. they just didn't. And we've already seen ESPN and TNT promoting it yeah. on their channels and stuff. And you just didn't get enough. You didn't get enough. Um, yeah. This comment is great from Dave. Um, someone needs to save Gary Thorne from having to do the Orioles games, <laughs> especially if Glaber Torres goes off again. So that'll that'll be pretty funny. Uh, I, I would say if anything, yeah. Somebody somebody needs to save uh, Gary Thorne from that. But uh, if, if anything, I would I would take a look at maybe trying to bring him in because Sean McDonough just seems like he's. I don't know, not really – I don't want to say he's not cut out for this, but it just – you need someone with energy. You yeah. need someone with more. I agree. It's not, hockey, not hockey related, but for the football fans out there, I just saw a tweet that says uh, the Texans and Dolphins could have a Deshaun Watson deal done this week. Oh, that's an interesting one. Uh, Chris G brings up a good one here. Uh, it's too bad I can't watch TNT games. I have Fubo streaming. What's a good alternative to Fubo? Um, probably Reddit streams on your laptop. You could probably try to, to try to look up free streams. If you Google them, Chris, you'll find them. Usually they're pretty reliable. Um, if you have a VPN, um, that can help too. So um, Mark brought up – I was trying to – 
I'm trying to find his comment before. Sometimes it's great just to have your guy and make it fun like generate. Rick Jenner's a gen. He's a legend. I mean, the uh, the Dave Hannon, this is going back to where Jimmy Hoffa is called, the Mayday call, um, Richard Schmelick, the wounded duck on Thanksgiving. I, I could go through Rick Jenner's greatest calls, and he's a treasure. Every time that I, I see that Buffalo's playing and I go to the, the telecast and he's on, oh, Elrock, yeah. that's an idea right there. Maybe yeah, he can get the right thorn. Kind of track down his contact info. Yeah. Try to go. Which oddly uh, enough, the uh, the Ottawa Senators PR guy got back to me earlier today. He said things are crazy right now. He's like, but uh, he's like, let's do something when the Islander when the Senators play the Islanders. So yeah, Senators play the Islanders. We'll we will have a member of the Ottawa Senators on our on our podcast. And that that would probably be our first active NHL player. So guys, definitely continue to uh, tune into us because. I don't know who it's going to be. We have no clue. Anthony will obviously keep all of you updated with more information as the time gets closer. But if we continue to get uh, we continue to get closer to that date, we'll have an idea of who it's going to be, and that'll be a good interview. So, and I'll keep plugging away in the meantime. At yeah, other- and we're we're going to have more guests. We were we were a little dry this week, but um, you know and. You kind of just pissed off Mark there before with that uh, Deshaun Watson update. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, the allegations against the guy—we all know what they are. It's, it's terrible, and with that many, without without that many people, you gotta assume it's true. But Deshaun Watson can flat out play football. Yeah, I mean, he's he's good, but he is baggage and a half right now. I don't know if I would really want to be the team that picks him up and takes on the. Uh, the, the flight risk. Um, this is another one from Anthony for, for you, Chris G sling TV is $35 on its orange package. Uh, the TNT TVS, ABC, ESPN, ESPN plus is separate at 70 a year. So um, it, it's funny. You mentioned this Chris G because I, I was going to go up to Ottawa a few years back for a game. Wanted to, I wanted to check that out. Um, I think it's like a, maybe like an eight to 10 hour drive or something like that to Ottawa. But got to get the uh, the real ID and stuff like that, and and go up there. Uh, Mark has apparently paid for Wi-Fi in his flight to watch us. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate that. Always looking out for us, looking over our uh, looking over our shoulders and everything like that. But um, yeah, it, it's we should try to go to a go to an away game somewhere. Yeah, I, I would. I mean. I've already done uh, Capital One Arena when it was Verizon Center. I had uh, yeah, we did Peter Jetter. Yeah, with with Jetter and 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 Zach Johnston and how that dude told me that Mike Green was better than Nicholas Lidstrom. <laughs> that, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, um, I've done TD Garden. I did TD Garden about six years ago. Oh. That was that was that was cool. Even though the Rangers got shellacked in that game by Boston. Um, yeah, Montreal would be interesting. But uh, maybe we can do something more, a um, little less travel. I would say maybe Philadelphia, but just not wear any opposing teams' art, uh, clothing or anything like they that. Because really not- yeah, yeah. I don't feel like getting into a fisticuffs affair there. So, <laughs> and and Stephen's doing a little traveling himself. Stephen, by the way, uh, keep us updated as to when you get closer to uh, coming into New York. We definitely want to meet up with you and. Definitely go and get some drinks. 
Um, you know, we'd like to return the favor, especially with the donation format. We really, again, we do appreciate that. And everybody else that has donated, everybody else that's liked, shared, subscribed, we absolutely appreciate this. Um, like I said, we're just really kind of starting here. We're getting closer to 2,000 subscribers. And again, we only really started doing these back in, I would say, late January. And that's it's amazing to see the growth in such short of a time period. So for, for us to be able to do this, do what we love and to start seeing the, the growth and, and really be able to have a tangible um, number on things in terms of like subscribers and, and getting our videos monetized and seeing people, you know, donating stuff like that. It, it means the world to us. It's awesome. We love doing this and we love the, the fact that you guys keep coming back and this keeps growing. But um, we're going to cut this short today. Anthony has got to go do some... uh... Trent Trent Hunter. Oh, wow. Mark tried to trivia Anthony, and Anthony shot that down right away. Yeah, former former Calder, uh, I think, finalist, Trent Hunter. Yeah, and then once he got established, he uh, switched his number to seven. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah. Honestly, we're gonna we're gonna cut this off now because Anthony's got to go do stuff. Uh, definitely, like I said, remember to like, share, and subscribe all our videos. You know, tell us. You know, tell everybody about uh, us. Tell us what you think. Leave more comments and uh, definitely keep tuned in because we've definitely got more content coming your guys' way. Again, thank you very much. Thank you. And have a good night, everybody. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back next week with hope with uh Mark back. Uh, with Mark back at the helm. So, yeah, so Mark will be able to uh, be back at the helm, uh, kind of taking care of things in that regard. So I'll be a little more intuitive on the uh, comments. And Sean, yes, good, bad, and ugly tweets will be going up on uh, the Facebook group. So this way you guys can take a look at it and have some more discussions. Uh, speaking of which, we're going to be a little more active with that too. So. Uh, if you guys haven't checked out the Big Apple Hockey Twitter, it's at Big Apple Hockey. Um, and definitely add us and follow us on there. So, yeah, Sabre's going to Sabre. That's so Rangers. Oilers going to oil. All those good hashtags. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Well, good night, guys. Thanks for watching. Thank you for watching.